like scary movies. Uh-huh. What's your favorite scary movie? Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. Hi, Georgie. Swallow this. Cat dead. Details later. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. Hello. Thank you for joining us. This is Spaceman and the Doll. I am your co-host, Katie. And I am your other co-host, Zephyr. And we like to talk about horror movies. Being that it's our 10th anniversary, we thought we would want to, We wanted to do kind of like a, a bit more of a professional talk-in to our movies rather than getting straight into it. And we thought it would be important to introduce ourselves, being that it is our 10th episode and... A lot of people are probably going to be looking for podcasts to do with the newer movie that will be coming out on Netflix by the time this is released, and we wanted to release, well, we're recording this now, to talk about the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So We're trying to capitalise. capitalize. Absolutely. Um, we... <laughs> Yeah, we, we we like to try and keep ahead of like things as they're going. Um, I'm sure that we're both going to watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's, it's a series. I mean, it's, it's free, a, so I might as well. It's a series, is right? What? No, I think it's just a film. It's a film. Okay. Um, yeah. So I heard something about it being like, okay, is it to do with uh, level Leatherface being substantially older, or is that just a meme? So this, the new one that comes out hmm. is a direct sequel from the original, but it's still set in the present time. So it's like 40 odd years later, 50 years later. So we may be so Le- pr- potentially seeing a geriatric Leatherface? Yeah, so like Leatherface is at least 70. This is going to be weird. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's from what I can tell, the trailer dropped like a couple of days ago like the last one and um it's very similar plot wise to halloween 2018 in terms of a sole survivor is waiting for the killer to come back sort of plot yeah so we're not going to be talking about that because we know nothing about it obviously the 2022 release hasn't come out as of this filming but i'm sure zayford is very hot out on uh putting his thoughts on our page so yeah we'll definitely be talking about it at some point i'm sure but we're here to talk about the 1974 release texas chainsaw massacre the original um obviously this is a franchise that has been somewhat hammered to death um there has been some very strange remakes um timelines uh i can recall the the newer like was that there was one in twenty? Uh, I want to say seventeen. Is that wrong? That was the that was the prequel one, wasn't it? The Leatherface one. No, I'm not. I'm not talking about Leatherface. I'm talking about that the bad one. Uh, tech, uh, the one that was in twenty thirteen. That's it. That's the one. Yeah. There's only one good thing about that, and that's the female lead. <laughs> I think we actually talked about that before. Um, yeah, I know exactly who you're talking about as well. Um, but yeah, so. It, it's had some prequels, some standalones, uh, all sorts of things. And I think one of the reasons why it has that is because it's, you know, 
it's a very original story. We took from when we were talking about the Devil's Rejects how the whole deranged family dynamic really began when looking at the uh, the family in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, in the nineteen 19- good old Sawyer's. Yeah. In the 1970s, there were a lot of different movies that uh, came out that were to do with exploitation, um, very degrading, uh, lots of rape revenge uh, sort of flicks. Uh, Last House on the Left, I Spit on Your Grave, things like that. For me, um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is very interesting in contrast to Last House on the Left because it's like the women at the beginning of the last house and left obviously well they're not women they're teenagers they they get brutally uh raped and murdered and the, you know the, the people that the deranged group of people that do it end up getting taken in by the parents and the parents then become deranged and turn on the people themselves and there seemed to be like a real positive from that that there was some sort of revenge the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is taking uh, that idea and like completely making the opposite of that. So it's like innocent people walking into a depraved situation, um, a situation where there is just it's it's normal to butcher people, incest is prevalent, and it's it's just such an interesting it's such an inf- interesting preface for a film. And I think it's been replicated a few times since then. Obviously the one that comes to mind straight away is the house of a thousand corpses and the devil's rejects. Um, you know, there seems to be something incredibly sto- disturbing about having a family of people who are not right. I, I, I like another, yeah. another movie that I can think of that, um, really sticks out to me is the British film. I think it's called mum and dad and it's like it's it's basically a torture flick and it's about like a a a mum and a dad and their children and they keep this woman hostage and they use her as like a sex slave and things like that and there's just something very unnerving about dysfunction in a home in a family home where things aren't quite whether they appear but obviously the family in uh Texas Chainsaw Massacre aren't just not what they appear. They are downright, you know, depraved people. Cannibals. Yeah, <laughs> cannibals. Um, yeah. So it, it's 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 probably um, it's probably it probably pegs into people's worst fears of coming across uh, herd mentality, group mentality, even of uh, people that have no morals and are scary people that are capable of anything like most people fear you know like i'm afraid of zombies and and things like that but actually having a group like a mob mentality and not only that a family mentality really puts in this uh frenzied dynamic of fear because it's like you're allowing so much stuff to happen that just shouldn't happen uh through parents and siblings and stuff you know so it it's definitely interesting. Um, I've always thought Texas Chainsaw Massacre was uh, there was a lot more to it than what people, you know, than than what's than what's on the surface. And I think that that is why people are so afraid of it because of the dis- dysfunction. Um, like, yeah, I do think that feeds into some of our primal fears. Yeah, it definitely like, like for years you expect. To this film to be like bloody and gory, like if you've never seen it, 
I mean, it's literally called the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm. Uh, and it's, there's like very little blood. There's smidges of it. And it's, it just relies on tension to get you through the film, so, which I think is pretty good. So you would agree with me then that the, the psychological nature yeah. of it is a lot stronger. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because the, ki- the kills are basically... A couple of people get hammered. Mm. Uh, like one person gets chainsawed. That's about it. There's like very little kills. It's all reliant on tension and the occasional jump scare. And of course, the infamous scene where uh, they're running through laundry in the garden, and there's a chainsaw wielding maniac chasing after them. I mean, yeah, <laughs> most people would probably be scared of a chainsaw. It's, man it's pretty a iconic, you know. I, I think if especially especially when it's a real chainsaw. Even if you haven't watched, was it actually a real chainsaw? Yeah, it's a real chainsaw. They don't have any special. They don't have any props for it. Well, that's the thing. I actually went to like a um, like a an immersive uh, ghost house experience thing. You know, like a walkthrough. And one yeah. of them was called Squealer's Yard. This is at the Howl in uh, Mead Farm, Mead Open Farm, and they do it every year. They have five houses, and like some of them are about ghosts, some of them about clowns, some of them are about. Um, deranged families um, and this one in particular is called squealer's yard and um basically they actually have people that wear like pig heads and that you know lots of blood and gore and they're all making these really cringy uh horrible comments towards you to make you feel uneasy and you can just hear constant chainsaws and screaming all the time and then once you get to the end of it they you actually get chased out of the uh out of the the whole thing with by people with chainsaws that you know they look real but they're not <laughs> so like yeah so it, and it's funny because like um every year that i've gone there i've gone there twice now um there's always somebody that like runs like hell because they think it's a real chainsaw um there's just something about that noise that really like terrifies people i think like yeah it's just dangerous in it (laughs) so yeah because i mean you only know a chainsaw for cutting Mm. so it's like automatically you hear a chainsaw behind you it's like well i'm staying to find out Mm. and uh i don't think there's a lot of music heavily used in the movie either no there's it's very it's very quiet yeah it's i think that's a very 70s thing though because even uh, Black Christmas was very uh, quiet and lack of background music. Mm. See, you know, I, I'm think I hear, I'm hearing what you're saying, but I just the only thing I think of is um, Cannibal Holocaust. Obviously, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure that was 1978. That movie came out. Um, I just remember, you know, you, you're literally seeing a woman being raped to death. And, you know, for anyone who doesn't know, Cannibal Holocaust is one of the original found footage movies. There are a lot of people that believe that it was true, so much so that the director uh, ended up, like, having to testify in court and bring the people out of hiding uh, to, to prove that they weren't dead. He had to show, he also show that the impalement or, that they had done of the, like, through the the spikes was was done using props with a, a, a bicycle seat um uh, he was fined a lot of money for actual animal torture which has been left in the uncut version which i don't really agree with but um what i what i was trying to talk about was in that movie i can remember yeah there's there is a particular scene where one of the uh 
journalists i say journalists loosely because they're not they're you know they're purposefully making the uh making the indigenous people that they're filming out to be more feral than they actually are and causing a lot of trouble and distress and I, I don't want to say that like they deserve what was coming to them because it was incredi- it's incredibly ugly and it's incredibly graphic and the final scene where you literally see a, a, one of the journalists being raped to death and pulled apart and beaten to death while she is raped and and the you know the others have me absolutely horrible ends too you hear this really pleasant music and it's um you know I, I can still hear it and having that stark contrast it it's not something yeah it's not that'll stick with you it, it's and it's not something that's that was often used in in movies in the 70s you're absolutely right they did rely on um heavily the effects in studios rather than uh, you know soundtracks um it wasn't really until halloween sort of era when there were whole soundtracks coming out about with with horror movies so yeah i don't think Classic. Yeah, and totally, and everyone knows that, right? <laughs> um, yeah, of course. Do you know, it's so funny. Someone was, um, I was, because I, I was boasting that my Dawn FM cassettes have come. I ordered some week, the weekend cassettes, and uh, oh yeah, so yeah, don't they look so cool? Um, they're pretty cool. <laughs> so, someone messaged me and they said that they've they've got like the like a, a really nice version of the Halloween soundtrack on cassette tape, and I was like, mm, what a cool little thing to have. But yeah, mm. it's you know. We and obviously the Exorcist, uh, Tubular Bells. That was a that was a big one. Then again, wasn't the uh, I swear the Exorcist was the Exorcist was in the seventies, sixties. It was late. Was it the late seventies? Perhaps. I think it was like seventy six. So there, there are there are definitely soundtracks in horror, but they never became as prevalent as yeah until like. 80s or so but there are a few that i can point out that are but yeah chainsaw really doesn't rely on any of that and it's it's completely that's the correct word that you said they're completely like tension that's what they rely on and you can Mm. do that in such an organic way like you it's so easy to to cause um that sort of tension naturally we see movies now where they spend so much money on the score, the you know the the way the shooting, the production, and um, if I recall rightly, uh, Texas really didn't. It wasn't that much of a budget, was it? I don't. It was one hundred and forty thousand dollars. Well, I mean, I've definitely heard movies made for more. <laughs> Yeah, hundred and forty thousand is basically nothing. Yeah, and it's, it's chump change. It's interesting as well because yeah, it's here thirty point nine million at the box office. So mm. whoever made it is uh, made a nice mint off of that for sure. Toby Toby Hooper. That's right. Thank you. Yeah, classic classic director. Oh. So another October release as well. Which is same day as Black Christmas. Oh yeah, I remember you saying that to me. Yeah, we briefly we briefly spoke about it when we did the Black Christmas episode. Mm. So which did better? Was it the, it was uh, Texas? It was it was definitely Texas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think um, Black Christmas did a couple million. 
but it wasn't it was nowhere near, near close so what would you say is like your favorite scene from this whole movie hmm favorite scene i think the i feel like the dinner scene's pretty classic mm. it's like one thing that stands out but i like the scene where the guy just gets bonked on the head <laughs> you know the first guy that dies <laughs> He just gets bonked on the head with a hammer and just gets dragged into a room and it's just like, okay, I guess that's happening. So when you say dinner scene, do you want to do you wanna explain a bit of that to everyone else? So, is she the only one alive at this point? Mm-hmm. So Sally's being captured again for like the 15th time <laughs> and she's taken to the dinner room of this big house. And she meets the rest of the family for the most part. There's the hitcher, there's Leatherface, there's the uh, gas station guy and grandpa. And they're just. It's just this crazy scene of horrible people talking absolute disgusting stuff between each other and threatening this, scaring this girl to death over dinner and how they're gonna eat her. <laughs> Hmm. You know, it's it's interesting because it's actually making me remember. Um, I don't know if you ever saw Ash Ketchum's uh, "The Woman." Ash Ketchum. Yeah, his name is actually that. By the way, I know that you think that that's the Pokemon guy, but it's not that. His name is actually that. <laughs> believe me, I, I had to. The first thing that came to mind was Pokemon. At first, at first, when I like wondered, like I was like, "Is that actually his name?" <laughs> but no, it absolutely is his name. Um, yeah, so he wrote a series of books about a cannibal family. Uh, the first one was Offspring. And then the second one was the woman, and then it ended with a third one, which was which was no good whatsoever. I honestly can't write, remember the name, but I will we'll look that up so we can uh, share that with everybody else. But um, so the woman depicts a very well-to-do man. I believe he's a doctor, and he's like he's got a family, and they've they've got a nice farmhouse, and it, it all seems very nice and normal at first. At least this is what's depicted in the film. If you do decide to watch Ash, uh, read Ash Ketchum's books, um, I have actually read The Woman, and I actually I really enjoyed it. Um, I've not read the other ones, but I decided to re- read uh, The Woman because I enjoyed the film so much. Um, basically, he... F- so the the move so the the book the off the book offspring is essentially about a group of cannibalistic people that are living in America like you know like they are they're in America like North America but they are feral in America and they're not a part of society and they're literally running around like animals and they're cannibals <laughs> um mm. the woman is most a- cannibals do take place in America no, it lot, it? I, I know, but these people, they're literally, like, naked, they don't speak normal language, like, they are, like, animals, so they're not, like, Ed Gein yeah. for, or anything like that, for example. They're actually, like, people that are not in society whatsoever. Um, or Jeffrey Dahmer, if you want to go down that road. But, yeah, they're, they're not, like... I was going to say, there's a bunch of them. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot. 
Um, we'd probably be here for a while if we were to look up some yeah, cannibals. The 70s, the 70s was a good time for serial killers, apparently. Uh, Jeffrey Dahmer was the 90s. I think uh, Ed Gein... I remember Ed Gein was like the 50s. Yeah, I remember him being like... Yeah, I remember like lots of black and white photos of him, so he must have been the 50s. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah, so the, the woman is basically a sequel from that, and it is like it's literally like one of the women that have been taken from this tribe of feral people and caught by this doctor who's trying to reintroduce her into society however it soon becomes apparent that actually he's using her as a sexual plaything, and she's not really being uh she's not really being reintroduced to society she's being used although she is smart and she, uh, well, I won't spoil the ending. Obviously, you know, there is a third film. However, um, it starts off with, like, like you think that the family have no idea, and you think that, like, no, you know, no one has a clue of what's gone on, and it actually comes to be that actually the wife is very much aware of what her husband is doing, and the children are kind of aware of it too, and it's all just incredibly dysfunctional, and there just seems to be this... I don't know if it happens to anybody else, but when I watch films like that and it kind of it becomes aware to me that the dysfunction is so uh, prevalent and well-known to, like, even the children and stuff like that, it just creates a level of disturbingness that, like, can't be achieved through gore or slasher or, you know? There's just something about yeah. it by having the, the family all in it. So it was just reminding me when you were talking about the dinner scene just you know having literally just having people talking like conversationally about eating people and stuff you know yeah how they're like capturing and like there's like oh we're hunting this person sort of thing yeah because you like she finds the gas station guy and she's like oh i'm saved then it turns out he's also a dick and he just starts attacking her with a broom mm. and she's like what the hell man <laughs> Yeah. I do think it's funny when she starts attacking over a broom out of all the things. Yeah. And it's it But I haven't I haven't seen the the woman. No, it, it it's definitely one it's definitely worth to watch. It's not a easy watch and it is quite disturbing, but it it definitely it it, it, it evokes certain feelings and it's it's just interesting that our primal urges of fear are from like you know we're afraid of things with big teeth we're afraid of things with big eyes on a subliminal level as animals we're afraid of things but on a in a in a societal kind of psychological sense like of you know in, in being involved with society and being immersed in society uh, at least for people that live in uh you know places with democracy like england and you know united kingdom in general australia america etc um we mm. are instilled with societal norms and when we hear people speak so freely about beings like so repugnant <laughs> it's something that we can't quite it it, it it messes with us it's like it's just a psychological thing where it's just really dysfunctional and it, it just it does something to our brain you know so what, yeah, it it it's it's very strange how much dysfunction can go on under people's noses and people's homes and all sorts. But we're we're as a society we we don't like any of it. You know that's why we get so incensed when we when we hear about all these things that are happening to children, and uh, you know, so it it's interesting. 
the it's you know it, it can mess with you on and and there doesn't have to be lots of gore because you know like you said there's so many people that would go into watching the texas chainsaw massacre and assume it'd be just as gory as any other movie that came out in the 70s and it really wasn't like that I no, that's the furthest thing from it. <laughs> I I really um. I really liked Leatherface. I have to say. So you say Leatherface was out in twenty seventeen, right? So there's two different Leatherfaces. There's like one from the nineties and there's one from, um, two thousand seventeen. Yeah, I mean the more recent one is the one I'm talking about. So yeah, the the twenty seventeen one. I actually really liked that origin story. I I seem to be kind of somewhat in the minority there. I I don't know. How do you feel about it? I think that's one of the few of them I haven't actually seen. Ah, right. Well, it's a good one, but uh, we won't I've talk seen, about it then. <laughs> I've seen like a, a decent amount of them. There's probably like three of them that I haven't seen. And I think there's like ten. Oh because there's like a stupid amount. I have made a huge mistake. So... I was absolutely convinced that this guy was called Ash Ketchum. His name is Jack Ketchum. So, the author is called Jack Ketchum, not Ash Ketchum. I stand corrected. Forgive me. I'm sorry. See, you're just thinking about Pokemon as well. I was playing Pokemon Stadium yesterday, and it's just got stuck in my head. Okay? I'm sorry. (laughs) But yes, Jack Ketchum. It's just, you know, who else is called Ketchum, you know? It's gotta be Ash. Yeah, you got, you got a point. Yeah. So, you haven't seen Leatherface. That's okay. It'd be it'd be hard to talk about it without like you fully seeing much about it. But it is essentially just an origin story of how Leatherface came to be. Like you get to see why he wears a mask. Um, it's definitely yeah. one to wear to watch. There's a very strange love story undertone to it as well. Like there's a side story love story going on with uh, Leatherface, which is also uh, pretty good. Um, you know, pretty moving. There is gore in there. There's there's a lot of um, adolescent angst. <laughs> it kind of you know. There's a, there's a there's a bunch of gore in all of them. The only one that doesn't have gore is the first one. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it, that they kind of rely on yeah. on the inf- infamy of what the Texas Chainsaw Massacre could be, and it's actually mm. not that gory. But with with slashes in general, like when they're called massacre and stuff, you you assume that it's going to be like a huge oh, slasher. There needs to be a bloodbath. Yeah, yeah, and it, you know even things like Torso or uh, Drive-In Massacre or Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers or whatever. All of these, uh, all of these titles are like written to to really entice you to believe that that's how it's going to be. So, yeah, it it must have been very surprising. I, I can't remember the first time I saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It must have been a really long time ago. Um, but I I probably thought, oh, this is going to be a, a doozy. But yeah, T- to be honest with you, there isn't a huge amount I can remark on it in terms of gore. Because I, I tend to re- remember gore scenes like quite vividly, and I I don't. The one thing that sticks yeah, there's really not any. Yeah, I th- th- like I said, the one thing that sticks out the most is uh is absolutely the uh, the chase scene through the clean laundry, <laughs> and they mm. you know. But I think everybody thinks of that when they uh they think of uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. 
but yeah, I yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see what the Netflix release is going to bring to the table. I think that every, have, you seen, have you seen the trailer for it? I have. Yeah. So I see the only, the only reason I want to watch it is because of that bus. Hmm. When Lever get Leverface gets on that bus, I just want to see him go to town <laughs> on all of them. Mm. <laughs> it's gonna be a bloodbath, hopefully. I hope so. I hope so. I'm looking forward to it. It was something that I didn't expect. Like, h- how aware of you were that were, were you that like this was actually gonna happen? Because I had no clue that. Um... So, I knew that they've been trying to do a new one for a couple of years, but I didn't know if it was going to be another reboot like because every time they do one it's a reboot but then obviously with the success of halloween they changed it so it's now a sequel to the original Mm. and i don't know i i think they announced it like last year sometime like beginning of the year there was a brief poster they was teasing it over the internet for a bit it's difficult, isn't it? Because they put people on hiatus all the time, and we never know, like you yeah. know, what is in production, what isn't, until people really get pushed and pushed. I remember thinking, like, where the hell is the uh, Chucky TV series that they kept talking on? They were talking about that for years, and then all of a sudden, boof, it was out, and I was like, oh. <laughs> so it, it, it's decent. It, do you know what? It's on. It. I have it on Now TV. It's like in my queue to watch, and I, I'm definitely gonna. Yeah, I'm definitely going to sit down and watch it because I do love the the uh, Child's Play movies a lot. I think my f- my favorite is always going to be Bride of Chucky. It has to be. Um, but yeah, I ooh, I'm just thinking about the the newest Child's Play the movie. Remake. Oh yeah. <laughs> the only reason why I watched it is because Mark Hamill's the voice of Chucky, and I'm like, it's just not the same. It was just. It first of all, the doll wasn't even scary. It just looks no. it just looks silly. Second of all, what the hell was that? Whole, you know, it just felt like they were pandering to a younger audience that wouldn't necessarily even appreciate the storyline of Child's Play. You know, uh, like they they said like throwaway lines like "This is for Tupac" and stuff. It's like who the hell was that for? Yeah. You know, like <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of weird shit in it. It was it was dumb. It, and it wasn't, you know, I remember watching it in the cinema and there really wasn't that much response to it. Like, people were not mm. eating it up. It was just like, okay, well, that happened, you know? You know, when we were talking about Malignant and how people were really enjoying themselves, um, it just wasn't like yeah. that in uh, in Child's Play, the remake at all. No, because it, it, it takes everything and it's just like, oh, we're going to make it all techy and see how it goes from there. It just seems um, silly, yeah. yeah. It seems silly. Like just, just pull the plug. <laughs> yeah, I did. I didn't think much of it at all. So I'm hoping the TV series is good. Has it has it got any involvement from uh, Jennifer Tilly? Yeah. Uh, so from I know a bunch of characters return. I've only ever seen the first episode, but I know the original Andy comes back. Jennifer comes back. Uh, That's pretty cool Kylie that Andy's going to be there. Kylie from the second one comes back as well. Okay. Yeah, like, all the OGs that survived make uh, appearances. I mean, that sounds like it's definitely worth it then. 
I, in, um, I just, you know, Fiona, Fiona Dorif comes back as well. I remember watching Seed, like the last time I, looked, I watched uh, Seed of Chucky, it must have been about six months ago, and I just thought, God, what the hell are they doing with this, you know? Oh, that one was dog shit. It <laughs> absolutely is. And I actually saw a meme that said, um, they, were, they were saying, like, is Seed of Chucky considered a Christmas film because, like, they kill Santa? <laughs> You know, does that no, does that make it it's one? Just considered a bad film, <laughs> but it's just so crap. I couldn't imagine bringing that out every year. You know, it's like, kind of like a one and go kind of movie, isn't it? I only watched it again because I was showing it to somebody else. Um, but cut- I'll only ever watch it if I'm deciding I'm sitting through the entire franchise and watching them all. You're just gonna skip that one straight up. Most of the time, yeah. I I think Curse of Chucky was somewhat redeemable. Um, I did. Curse and Cult were alright. It was actually scary in places. Um, I enjoyed it. I mean, I think there was a scene that was like similar to you know in Bride of Chucky when they have all the glass that falls on top of the newly wed couple on the bed. The mirror. Yeah, yeah. it's like they've got like a mirrored ceiling and it just like falls on them and they like die. Um, mm. There's in a in the Curse of Chucky, I believe that there's there's a scene similar to that where that like a bunch of glass ends up on this person. It's really gory, so that was pretty cool. Um, I did, yeah. I, I found Curse of Chucky a lot more. You know, it was it was worth making. Um, the Seed of Chucky just kind of felt silly. Um, Seed of Chucky is just the worst. <laughs> like. No, it doesn't add anything other than it gives them a kid, and the kid, it's. I don't know if it's ahead of its time, mm. in a sense. It's just. I don't know. It plays on the edge a lot. Mm. But who knows? I mean, the new shows, from what I've heard, a lot of people are enjoying it. It's got a second season coming. Awesome. So, can't be that bad. No. It's, it's got to be pretty good. Yeah, but do you think do you think uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre will get a sequel? <laughs> Are we in for another sequel of Texas? I really don't know. I really don't know what what more is there to say. You know, they've done the origin story, they've done prequels, like they're doing this with Netflix now. What else is there to say? I don't think that they would be able to do anything else without like you know bringing more timelines into it. And let's be honest, that like divides an audience hugely, just like it did with Halloween. You know. Yeah. It depends how this one ends, I guess. I mean, they could do the same thing like Halloween of it's on the same night or it takes place over the same few days. That's, but who knows? That's got to be such a smack in the face. Imagine, like, making a film that's, like, in some way, like, connected to another film that's, like, really famous and it's so bad that they just don't even keep carry it into a timeline. Like, it's just forgotten. Like... <clears throat> I can't imagine, like, what that must do to a person who's, like, you know... Because no matter what you say about a movie or, like, a quality of a movie or if a movie's stupid or whatever, like, it takes a lot of time. Like, the uh, movies are not easily made unless, you know, it's, like, The Room or something like that. Um, but, like, yeah. the majority... Like, it takes, like, half a year sometimes to film a movie, um, sometimes even longer than that. You you know you got to prep actors and you have to have the right conditions. You know, you know so you have to do all these things, paperwork, all sorts of stuff. Like it's it's so much effort to do a movie. And just imagine putting all of your budget into this movie and 
sinking so much money into it and then it's just like no we're not going to use that in the timeline actually because we don't like your movie <laughs> well i think the original timeline is one two leatherface and then next generation mm-hmm. then there's the remake and the remix prequel then the 2013 one and leatherface are both a prequel and a sequel to the original and then it's this new timeline where it's just this sequel that's coming out. Mm. It's it's getting almost as bad as Halloween. Yeah, because I, I remember we were talking about Halloween before and uh, there are four different timelines for that one. Three or four of them, yeah. I think there's... No, yeah. I think there's four. Yeah, I think there's four. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it must be difficult because it divides an audience and, you know... Ultimately, that prevents revenue, doesn't it? Like, a, a movie's yeah. not... They're not going to go that way because they want to go that way, you know? You want to please the fans. But some people feel so passionate about their own version of something. But, yeah, like I said, it must be really shitty when it's not, like, the popular <laughs> the popular version. Um, yeah, because we'll see, we'll see after this one comes out which, which uh, timeline they go with. I am hopeful. I still, think uh, the, I still think the first remake is the best one. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I am hope. Yeah, I mean, the one in yeah the the, like the two thousand and three. Yeah, <laughs> the the one with the the hot chick in it with nothing else to offer. Oh, we no, just not don't. Even that. No, it's I'm just, just saying we don't want to. We better. don't want to remember that one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I, I am hopeful because you know Netflix for all of its faults they do produce some really good content sometimes. Um, for me, I, I find personally, like, the majority of the things I enjoy on Netflix are the crime documentaries. Like, I'm really into all the... Like, they, they seem to put a lot of effort into the documentaries. Like, the uh, Fire Festival one. The Tinder Swindler, like I was talking to you about last week. Um, yeah. Just, like, uh, Don't Fuck With Cats. That was another really good one. Um, the, you know, the documentary they did on Luca Magnotta. Uh, they they do a lot of true crime stuff as well, so like stuff that's not necessarily. Yeah, there was there was one that they just called the stairs at one point. The staircase, yeah, that that was a pretty yeah, good one. one. Yeah, um, yeah, all, all sorts of stuff. Uh, they did a, a Yorkshire Ripper one, which was very interesting. They just have very good production value in a way that keeps you wanting to continue uh, to watch it. Another another really good Netflix. Um, not a, not a series, but a true crime documentary is Tell Me Who I Am. That is one of the most disturbing documentaries I've ever seen, uh, hands down. It's a very, it's it's very evoking. In it, it's about two British men discussing their ch- their childhood, and a brother actually has a road accident. I think it's a motorbike motorcycle accident, and. Um, he has lost parts of his memory from childhood. I won't, I shan't spoil it oh. for you because, like, I don't really want to, like, you know, I don't, I don't want to give too much away. But it is extremely disturbing. It's extremely powerful and it's extremely honest. And I feel like, um, oh god, no, Tiger King, of course. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just like thinking in my brain of all the other documentaries that have come on Netflix. Um, the, the thing that got us through the first lockdown. Right. Yeah. Did you watch the second series? Nope, because I lost interest in it, and it, I just—I was like, I don't care anymore. You didn't watch the second series, really. A lot of people just said that it so, was filler, but you know. 
I watched the we watched the well me and my partner tried to watch in the first episode and we were just like this is not very good we just weren't interested in it what in the second it series just, yeah really you know like because yeah. for me I don't know I enjoyed it personally a lot of people said it was like all filler and like there wasn't actually that much new to it but to me uh seeing like Josh uh John Lowe Josh Lowe John Lowe don't don't John Lowe John Lowe. I think one of them. I think his name is John Lowe. To see him, like Mr. Lowe. Yeah, he was like in. He was basically in the same position as like the the hitman that he'd like taken out to to kill, uh, Carol allegedly. You know, he to fate that he'd had Joe. He basically had it look like Joe had arranged this hit with this dude, and like the guy just went off and spent all the money, and it was just it was so funny just seeing like uh, him in the same position as jeff Lowe. that's it jeff Lowe. so jeff Lowe, he he'd put <laughs> so the guy just went off and spent all the money in vegas and went off to the strip clubs and stuff and it was just so funny in the second se- season to see jeff Lowe and lauren in a car you know because there's actually this footage like this police footage of um of the uh, the su- supposed hitman getting taken out of the car and he's he's absolutely steaming like he's so drunk and so high and to see Jeff Lowe and his wife like literally the same verbatim so steamed and so like fucked up and like their life's in absolute crisis it was just so like wow car crash tv um yeah. and then the they did a affiliation um documentary alongside of that which was about doc antle because a lot of people had questions about that guy and why he had a harem and what the hell that was about and honestly i would honest i would absolutely recommend doc uh, that doc antle documentary it's very interesting and it's it gives a huge insight into somebody else who's extremely nefarious in the business um hearing his backstory particularly what happened with his first wife you get to talk to her see her and like the poor health that she's in and it's it's yeah it's very um it's very disturbing to see like that you know joe exotic is definitely a personality but there were people around him that were just as bad if not worse you know i recently read an article about him being put into so he was resentenced, and they've actually added a year onto his sentence. <laughs> so he was appealing his sentence. Oh. Now, uh, you know, obviously the murder for hire thing, and I say obviously because it is obvious. It's as flimsy as anything, you know. It's as flimsy as my ass. There's nothing to it. Um, it, it would fall apart like a piece of pizza. But um, it's not. I I think the point is that he did he did cause pain and he did cause suffering and he did cause uh mistreatment to animals and he deserves to serve time for that whether it be 20 years 21 years i don't i don't really agree with that um but i i think that ultimately the secret services and the police you know law enforcement they were they're just sick of dealing with the exotic animal business and all of the stuff that comes along with it you know so i think they just wanted to get rid of him for a while yeah, I th- I think a lot of people think that there's going to be a Tiger King three. So I feel like if they do, it'll probably just be like an episode or two, just to clear up what's happened over the last since they recorded all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. For me, like it was like one of the first things I gen because I for months I didn't watch TV properly because of like things that were going on during lockdown in my personal life, so to actually sit down and watch 
Joe Exotic. Like I end like that whole Tiger King thing. I ended up watching all of that in like um, I think it was two days. I watched the whole thing, so I'm like super invested in it. it to be fair, if like if it's not for you, it's not for you, is it? But like I was really excited when a second yeah. the second one came out. <laughs> so they do a whole episode on Don Lewis as well. You know the Carol's missing hus- husband. You get to find out that yeah. he actually likes underage girls in uh, in foreign countries, so you don't feel as bad oh. about him going missing <laughs> in Costa Rica, Costa Rica, as they like to say. Yeah, definitely seems a bit saucy now. Yeah, the hitman is uh, Alan Glover, by the way. The I'm just saying the random mm-hmm. hitman. His name's Alan Glover, but uh, yeah, you know, I would quite like to what you know to talk about Tiger King, but. You don't share my interest, so I won't. <laughs> Although I did, didn't I, for about five minutes straight, but that's okay. I mean, we can do a separate podcast where we talk about Tiger King if you want. Hey, if you're not invested in it, there's not much point. Although, it, yeah, we did have someone say that it would be good if we had some varying opinions rather than being in agreement about things. Like, the first season was fine. I just didn't, I just wasn't, I don't think, I think too much time had passed for the second season of it. And I was just like, I just don't care anymore. There's also like a really it's, it's interesting like old news. There's really an in- there's like a really interesting part about it as well. I won't go on about it too much longer because like you know it's not a risk. <laughs> you know we we're going back off on, on our off tangent situation. But uh, Tim, there's uh, there's another guy that's just as dodgy as Antle and Joe Exotic and Jeff Lowe and his name is Tim Stark and he is just an absolute monster of a human being you know he's he's left animals to die in trucks um, like not well ventilated and stuff when he's traveling around countries to bring them to Jeff Zoo um, when they actually came to raid him so we get to see the raid itself and him like fobbing off uh, reporters and calling them names and all sorts of stuff and being really aggressive we actually find out that he was trying to get more animals off there but where where was he going to take them and he ends up abandoning this truck in the middle of a field and had they not known to go and find it like you know people started searching around like where are these animals those animals would have legitimately died so it's it's yeah. it's pretty good documentary for like unearthing yeah. like how horrible these and selfish people can be um, in that industry and it's crazy. They're all either swingers or like um, crazy, basically, <laughs> like super selfish people. It's just it's it, it's nuts and yeah, but yeah, I I definitely do think that with. Uh, with this movie that's coming out on Netflix, the uh, Chainsaw, it's, it's going to be, it's either going to be really good or it's kind of be going to be a bit meh, you know. Um, yeah, I feel like story-wise, it's going to be a bit sh- shit. Mm. I think uh, for gore and stuff, it might be decent. Just mainly for that bus scene, but next, for a new one. So with uh, Netflix original horrors, is there anything that you can immediately think of, like that you think that Netflix did well or? Uh, the Fear Street series was alright. I loved that. That's, what, that's the main thing. Yeah, that's the main thing I can think of. The nineteen ninety one was my favorite. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Carson is the best one. Yeah, I really liked that one. Um, yeah, yeah. I I thought the Fear Street was yeah. It was it was good. Um, I th- so they did a a nineties one and then a seventies one, didn't they? And, and yeah, then so and then it was 90, sixteen ninety four. 1600s? 78. 
1666, but it was basically half an hour of that and then part two of 94 again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I really thought that that was pretty good, actually. Mm, I hope they do like a another sequel to it or something. Because I left it on a cliffhanger, kind of. Or a tease. Hmm. Just, so we'll see. I mean, maybe. I'm just trying to think of like other Netflix Netflix originals that were done well. I I'm li- I'm looking at this. Little, I mean, okay, I'm looking at this whoa. little list. Okay, you'd be surprised, okay? Because you know they've done quite a fair bit of original horrors on Netflix. Like when I say original horror, I don't mean that they've like made the the whole story or whatever but like they've made the whole film you know so it's not about them yeah. re just re re putting it like moving around platforms it's literally like netflix has paid for it so yeah. um okay i'll reel some off to you if you say they're good or not what do you think of the babysitter uh i actually enjoyed that one i didn't see the sequel i though. thought it was crap <laughs> i enjoyed um, it in the tall grass that's a that's actually a um it's a stephen king one mm-hmm. yeah yeah um i'm a bit biased because i like stephen king but i i didn't think much of it i, I, it was a bit, I didn't uh, rate it either no uh malevolent i don't think i saw that one apparently it's in the yeah it's okay section of netflix <laughs> and it's a go- Fair enough. it's a ghost story uh it's got Florence Pugh. She. Oh, I might have to have a look at it at some point. They find out the ghosts are real. The end of this movie is a real mess, but Pugh does nothing good work. Does enough good work in the first hour to justify a look. Yeah, she's a pretty good actress. Hmm. Uh, 1922. Does another King. Uh, Stephen King, but I didn't watch that one. Okay. Uh. Didn't look interesting. Caliber. Caliber. Mm. Um, I can't say I've seen that one or even heard of it. This is this is the only film on this list that so this list is from Vulture.com. This this is the only film on this list that one could argue isn't really a horror film, but the final act gets so Wicker Man weird that we decided it qualifies. I'm not 100% seen, no. sure if I've seen that one either. Uh, Cargo. No, I didn't watch that one. Okay, uh, but I know it's got uh, Martin Freeman in. Ravenous. Ravenous. Um, I think it was okay. It's a, zomb- it's, it's a it. zombie movie. It's pretty good. Oh, The Perfection. Have you ever seen that? Oh, uh, no. Is that the the musician one? Yes. Yes. No, I didn't see it. I remember seeing it when it was uh, being like advertised for Netflix. The Perfection is an absolutely amazing thriller horror. horror. I definitely recommend you check that out. Um, I am the pretty thing that lives in the house. That's one I haven't seen. Have you seen that one? No, I didn't even know it was a thing. <laughs> I am the pretty thing that lives in the house. Twenty sixteen. I have. I've. I've seen. I've seen ads for it. All right, we're at number three now. Uh oh, this is definitely a good Netflix original one. Hush. The w- Ooh, I like that. You one. know the one with the death girl. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, like I that thought one. that was really scary. I really rated that a lot. Um, it's a solid. It's different, so it's good. It is. It is, and it it's kind of like a home invasion movie, but it's like 
like she's very aware of what's going on you know she's really fighting back yeah, and not <laughs> but it's it's mike flanagan so he's pretty good at doing a lot of stuff mm. i i yeah i really you know that's actually a movie that i would totally watch again uh the all right number two apostle i didn't watch that no i i know it's the uh religious 13th centuries-esque type thing it oh, follows a man crazy. invading yeah. a cult to find his kidnapped sister yeah, it was like two and a half hours of like religious stuff, and I'm like, ugh. Yeah, that's probably why I haven't I'll, seen I'll it either. I'll watch it eventually. <laughs> <laughs> I'll watch it eventually, because it looked okay, but I'm not committing to it just yet. And uh, number one is Gerald's Game. I also haven't seen that one Oh yet. my I'm god, do you know terrible, what? Ge- I'm a terrible Stephen King I'm going to send you this list, because like, yeah, there's a few there's a few on there that we should totally watch, because they sound really interesting. It's, um, but It's funny, because most of them are probably in my list on what to watch. It's crazy, isn't it, how things just get bunged up on your carousel. Um, but yeah, uh, Gerald's Game, absolutely fantastic adaptation of uh, the book by Stephen King. I really enjoyed it a lot. It is more of a thriller than a horror. Um, it does have horror elements to it, but yeah, it's it's definitely worth a look. So another one that comes to my mind, obviously not exactly a horror, more of a uh, manga adaptation. Obviously, I know that the the uh, the Korean film was very popular um uh, death note uh, did you see death note yeah so it was very americanized I, I and the... i hated it but i've yeah. actually heard that a lot of people really like it so i don't know i, I enjoyed it the first time i watched it kind of <laughs> but i was also like they changed too much stuff from like the anime I'm not a big anime fan. No. I've only seen like half of the definite stuff. Mm. And I was just like, they've changed a lot. And it's like, I'm not like the biggest fan. And the actor who played uh, Light, I was, I was like, nah, I don't really like him. Yeah, they changed it into like a teenage high school Americanized thing. And I don't know if that yeah. like fully... Before was great though. It didn't really fit, did it? And the guy who no. pl- who played L as well like i don't think that he was as effective at playing L as the guy in the original death note you know um no. there was just something not very I, I, obviously i know they were trying to like americanize and somewhat modernize it to to fit the american narrative but to me he didn't really have the same effect of, uh, on me as L did you know as a child protege genius um turned into this mastermind i didn't see him the same way in the the newer version but there are people who are like huge death note buffs that really rated that so i think the point that i'm making is that like sorry what were you gonna say you have to watch the actual like japanese versions of the films i think they're supposed to be better wait is death note japanese or korean maybe it's japanese I feel like it's Japanese. Okay. But don't quote me on that. It might be Japanese. We're not huge manga fans. We're not huge Korean fans. And we're not huge Japanese fans. We do... We do... I Well, I speak for myself here that I do... I have watched a lot of Asia, Tartan Extreme stuff. Um, but I'm not hugely into manga. So don't quote me on that. If I've got that completely wrong, please feel free to hammer hell out of me and teach me a lesson. Because I have no idea. 
um but yeah i think the point that i'm making is that netflix put a huge amount of money into their horror movies um horror franchises and stuff and sometimes they flop and sometimes they're great and i'm really hoping that this new one is going to be a good one um I, i i you know it would be good for us to to start off the the year with some some good things from netflix because yeah it's uh yeah hopefully it's it's been a, it's been a long confusing franchise of you know think things have gone wrong in the texas chainsaw massacre franchise the movie for when, when was you said the 2013 one um yeah it was just terrible and it would be terrible to just have a repeat of that i i i'm hopeful seeing the trailer and i am looking forward to watching it when it comes out for sure um, but yeah, when when you put it through Netflix, you have to toss a coin, 50-50. You don't know if it's going to work out well or not. <laughs> I reckon I'll probably still enjoy. I reckon I'll enjoy it. I hope just from the trailer. I, I yeah, it looks it looks promising. I think it's going to be. I think I think we're it, it's going to be okay. I, I fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, just lower your expectations, just in case. Mm, yeah, yeah. I, we haven't got time for subpar horror anymore. It needs to be good. But yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna write most horror subpar. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, but yeah, we've been talking about the 1974 release of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Obviously, this is our tenth episode. We really appreciate everybody that has been listening to us. We have quite a small but loyal fan base, and we really appreciate all the feedback that we get back from anyone and everyone who listens to our episodes we really enjoy doing what we do and we are hoping to grow and expand and you know get our podcast more out there so if you have any suggestions and how we can improve um other than saying that we should have differing opinions rather than a discussion because uh, we we very much aware, we know that. we're very much aware of that opinion <laughs> and we we know that you know our the way that we run this is that it's more of a discussion than chiding against each other we're not here to argue against each other we're just here to discuss you know um and also for the most part we're covering films we own so that's true at least at the moment although i did not own megan is missing and that was stressful (laughs) so yeah yeah we we do we we really like anybody and everybody who gives us a chance and listens to us to to give us uh feedback because at the end of the day you guys are the ones that have to listen to us so we we want it to be enjoyable for you and we want you to like it so yeah any comments any suggestions anything at all that you want to say about us or or what we're doing we would love to hear from you um yeah we've made it to the 10th episode and we're pretty proud of ourselves so yay here's to 10 more here's to uh, here's to 10 more here's to 100 (laughs) more we're we're going to keep going because we've got a lot of films to go through that are gathering dust and we need to talk about them so yep we appreciate you and uh we will see you next week Bye. Thank you and goodbye. Bye.